Welcome to the Tap Into Safety podcast, where Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder, discusses the latest research, reports and interesting topics to help health and safety, human resource and training professionals in their efforts to keep every worker safe every day. Hi everyone, and thanks for joining me. Addressing the issue of preventing employees from being sexually harassed in the workplace is an area of concern for many organisations. And although COVID-19 has been much of our focus in everything that we do, topics such as these that impact mental health continue unabated. Now, the Australian Human Rights Commission released the Respectful Work Report that presents the results of a national inquiry into sexual harassment in Australian workplaces. Their focus is on achieving respect for all employees, with one-third of employees reporting in the past five years that they experience sexual harassment at work. The 2018 National Survey reveals that 39% of women and 26% of men are sexually harassed at work, and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people are more likely to be the victims. The survey collected data on a range of areas including the prevalence and nature of sexual harassment in the workplace, the perpetrators of workplace sexual harassment, the industries where sexual harassment occurs, and the reporting of workplace sexual harassment and the outcomes of the complaints. Workplace sexual harassment is estimated to cost the Australian economy around $3.8 billion a year due to lost productivity, high staff turnover, resources needed to respond to complaints, litigation, workers' compensation and reputational damage. For employees experiencing workplace sexual harassment, the costs include negative impacts on their health and well-being, their employment and career progression and significant financial consequences. The report reveals that the most common forms of sexual harassment experienced were offensive, sexually suggestive comments or jokes. This makes up two-thirds of the complaints by women, one-quarter for men. Then there's inappropriate physical contact. Just over half of women and one-quarter of men report that. And unwelcome touching, hugging, cornering or kissing. Just over 50% of women and one in five men report that type of sexual harassment. For this podcast, we're going to take a look at the current context in which sexual harassment occurs, what is currently understood, what it means for your business, and the primary prevention strategies that you can use. So what is sexual harassment? Well, under the Sex Discrimination Act 1984, sexual harassment is any unwelcome sexual advance, unwelcome requests for sexual favours, or other unwelcome conduct of a sexual nature in relation to the person harassed. The National Survey identifies several different types of sexually harassing behaviour, including verbal forms of sexual harassment, such as sexually suggestive comments or jokes, intrusive questions about private life or physical appearance, repeated invitations to go on dates, or requests or pressure for sex. There's sexually explicit pictures, posters or gifts, intimidating or threatening behaviours, 
such as inappropriate staring or leering, sexual gestures, indecent exposure, or being followed, watched, or someone loitering nearby. Inappropriate physical contact, such as unwelcome touching, hugging, cornering or kissing, or actual or attempted rape or sexual assault. Improper use of technology, including sexually explicit emails, SMS or social media, indecent phone calls, repeated or inappropriate advances online, or sharing or threatening to share intimate images or film without consent. Now let's look at the level of sexual harassment in the workplace. So as we said, in the last five years, one in three Australians were sexually harassed. Women were more likely than men. Almost two in five women compared to one in four men. People who identify as gay or lesbian, bisexual, or with another sexual orientation were significantly more likely than people who identify as straight or heterosexual. People aged between 18 to 29 or 30 to 39 years were more likely than those in other age groups to have been sexually harassed in the workplace in the past five years. People with a disability are more likely to be sexually harassed in the workplace and it happens across all occupations. 24% of victims are professional workers, 16% clerical and office workers, and then service workers, manager executives and sales workers all have about 10% of victims. The most common forms of workplace sexual harassment were offensive, sexually suggestive comments or jokes and intrusive or offensive questions about a person's private life or physical appearance. Now for young people, they are the age group most likely to experience technology-based harassment. The 18 to 29 year olds, half of them were sexually harassed on more than one occasion and most harassment occurs at the individual's workstation. So who are the harassers? Well, in most incidents of workplace sexual harassment, the harasser is male. Even so, it is difficult to identify any typical characteristics of a person who engages in sexual harassment. However, the survey does provide some insights to those who have been sexually harassed. Firstly, the majority of the complaint victims said that they were sexually harassed by a single harasser. Most said that one or more of their harassers was male, where the most recent incident involved a single harasser, more than half indicated that the harasser was aged 40 years or older, and victims said that the harasser was most commonly a co-worker employed at the same level. Sexual harassment is more likely to occur in the information, media and telecommunication industry and the arts and recreation industry. It also occurs in male-dominated sectors such as mining and construction. It's prevalent in industries that require a high level of contact, for example, in the retail and hospitality sectors. And finally, healthcare and social assistance industries, for example, the Australian Defence Force and the medical and legal professions, have high rates of employees who are sexually harassed. What can we do to address the problem? 
The Australian Human Rights Commission recommends that initial primary prevention efforts to prevent employees from being sexually harassed should focus on social change strategies on sexual harassment, including a national campaign to increase knowledge and change behaviours that drive sexual harassment. They also suggest interventions that address sexual harassment of populations at higher risk of the problem, including those who experience intersectional discrimination. Furthermore, they suggest prevention initiatives that reach young people, which focus on sexual harassment as a form of gender-based violence, and to provide resources on workplace rights for young people. We should have respectful relationships education in schools that include content that recognises that sexual harassment is driven by gender inequality. We need to provide information and training for our staff and students in tertiary education institutions that provide information on workplace rights. And finally, we need guidelines and practical measures to ensure responsible reporting of sexual harassment by the media. So let's look at what the law says. The Fair Work Act governs the relationship between employers and employees in Australia. The Act does not expressly prohibit sexual harassment. However, victims can raise concerns about being sexually harassed indirectly in matters brought to the Fair Work Commission through some provisions. Number one is through the general protections against adverse action based on a workplace right. Secondly, general protections against adverse action based on sex. Number three, the anti-bullying jurisdiction. The fourth area is unfair dismissal and finally, unlawful termination on the ground of sex. The Australian model work health and safety laws also do not expressly prohibit sexual harassment. However, they impose a positive duty on employers to prevent employees from being sexually harassed in the context of the broad duty to eliminate or manage hazards and risks to a worker's health, which includes psychological health and therefore sexual harassment. Moving on, how can your business prevent sexual harassment? To better prevent employees from being sexually harassed, the Australian Human Rights Commission recommends firstly you should focus on leadership. You need to develop and display strong leadership that contributes to cultures that prevent workplace sexual harassment. Secondly, the area of risk assessment and transparency needs to be looked at, with a more significant focus on identifying and assessing risk, learning from experience and transparency, using a continuous improvement model both within and outside of the workplace, to mitigate the risk it can pose to business. The third area is culture. You need to build a trusting and respectful organisational culture, supported by policies and practice that minimise the risk of sexual harassment occurring. And if it does happen, you need to ensure you deal with it in a way that minimises harm to your employees. And the final area is knowledge. You need new and better approaches to workplace education and training to demonstrate an employer's commitment to addressing harassment. You need training that supports change by developing a collective understanding of expected workplace behaviours and processes. 
The final area that I'd like to discuss is reporting and seeking support if you have been sexually harassed in the workplace. And then once you've made a report, what happens to the perpetrator? Well, sadly, the majority of people who were sexually harassed in the workplace in the past five years, according to the report, did not make a formal report or complaint. The most common reasons for not reporting sexual harassment was that the victim believed people would think they were overreacting or that it was easier just to keep quiet. The behaviours that were most often experienced tended to be the least likely to be reported. Offensive, sexually suggestive comments or jokes represented 31% of the most recent incidents of workplace sexual harassment, but only 10% of these incidents were the subject of a formal report or complaint. This was also the case for intrusive questions about an individual's private life, which made up 18% of incidents, but was reported in only 13% of the cases. Inappropriate staring or leering that made the victim feel intimidated accounted for 11% of incidents, but was the subject of a formal report or complaint in only 15% of cases, and predominantly reported by men. People were most likely to report sexual harassment to their managers or supervisors at work, and usually did so immediately after the action had occurred. Formal reports or complaints were most commonly finalised between the individual and their direct manager or supervisor or the head of their organisation. The Australian Human Rights Commission or a state or territory anti-discrimination agency was involved in finalising only 6% of formal reports or complaints. So for those who did file a report, what happened? The most common outcome for victims who made a formal report or complaint was that the harassment stopped. However, 20% of people experienced negative consequences as a result of making a formal report or complaint. They were labelled as troublemakers. They were ostracised, victimised or ignored by colleagues or resigned. The Respect at Work report shows that fewer than one in five people who experienced sexual harassment in the workplace sought support or advice. Now, almost half of the cases where a formal report or complaint of sexual harassment was made, there was no significant changes at the workplace. Where an action was taken, the most common outcomes were that the perpetrator was either formally warned, about 30%, was informally spoken to, 27%. They apologised to the victim, that was 23%. They were disciplined in some other way, that made up 22% of the cases, or they were simply transferred to another area of the workplace, which was 12% of the cases. The problem is, if sexual harassment is left to continue, or is not dealt with in an appropriate way, it can seriously affect the victim's mental health. The Australian Human Rights Commission is recommending increasing provisions for workplace sexual harassment, similar to those for workplace bullying. They're currently working on a new regulatory model and the establishment of a Workplace Sexual Harassment Council. What this means for those operating a business is an increased focus around preventing your employees from being sexually harassed in your workplace. You need to develop strong leadership 
undertake transparent risk assessments, to build a trusting and respectful organisational culture, and you need new and better approaches to education and training. Workplace sexual harassment has a direct cost to your business due to lost productivity, high staff turnover, resources needed to respond to complaints, time managing litigation and workers' compensation, and reputational damage. Therefore, it makes good financial sense to proactively protect your employees from being sexually harassed and to develop policies and procedures to encourage more respectful workplaces. The next step is to invest in training to ensure all employees understand sexual harassment and their rights and responsibilities. Now it's early days, but why not make a start and be ahead of the game? You have been listening to Dr. Suzanne Barn, CEO and co-founder of Tap Into Safety. If you would like to read more about this topic and other related topics, or to contact them for more information, please visit their website at www.tapintosafety.com.au. If you'd like to hear more of these podcasts, search for Tap Into Safety on iTunes or your favourite podcast provider. Until the next time, we hope you keep safe and well.